Welcome to That Foreign Feeling, a podcast that creates space for conversations surrounding mental health, grief, and loss. When you may not know what you are feeling exactly, but you know something is different. You may not be able to explain it or understand it. All of these feelings are what we call That Foreign Feeling. Hey everyone, this is Steph from That Foreign Feeling, and we have Allie hosting with us tonight and we will be interviewing Anna who is also a founding member of that foreign feeling and also the butterfly path which is what we're here to talk about today so we're so excited to have her um mental health has been a long piece of my journey so she's been on my radar for a while and I'm so excited that we now get to work together um do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the uh butterfly path Yeah, so um, kind of just a little bit of background. Um, Well, the Butterfly Path uh, turned five this year, which is super awesome. It's been kind of cool for me to kind of reminisce and think about how the past five years have gone and how we can um, kind of continue helping people in the next five years um, and hopefully more, uh, but we take it day by day. (laughs) And um, so I started my mental health advocacy uh, probably when I was around 20 and I'm 27 now. Uh, so I've been kind of just being an advocate and sharing my story for about seven years. And then two years in, um, I lost my dad to suicide. Um, and before he passed away, I've always talked about starting a nonprofit, um, to house resources for mental health in our area and in Wisconsin, because Hudson is so close to the twin cities and there's a lot of great resources within, you know, the Twin Cities, we're kind of expanding that way too, which is really exciting. Um, And yeah, now, I mean, probably uh, three months, maybe. So my dad passed away in June. And then in October of 2017, that's when we, I launched our Choose Happy shirts, which started our funding for the nonprofit. So that's kind of where we are today. Um, and a little bit about my background. You're from this area, right? Did you grow up in, I know you live in River Falls now. Yes. So I was born and raised in Hudson. Um, and I've always kind of stayed in the St. Croix County area. Um, now I'm in River Falls, but it's just really nice. Um, I was in New Richmond before and I was able to make really great connections there. Um, hence how I met Nikki and then which, um, helped me meet Allie and then um, of course you Steph then after that which is just really awesome and then Grace too so that's been really cool so I'm kind of excited now that I'm in River Falls to start networking there um, which we can get into more but uh, we started um, already meeting with other local nonprofits too in that area and businesses so uh, it's just been it's been really great so Crazy. You never know where the connections are going to come from or when they're going to come into place. Yes, it's it's exciting and overwhelming at the same time. <laughs> right. Uh, Allie, you want to start us off with some questions? Yeah, I mean, I know you kind of touched upon how the butterfly pack kind of started a little bit into your intro. So another question is like, what was your driving like driving factor into the butterfly path besides you know what their dad's death and everything like what was the other factors and like what really actually pushed you to actually start the butterfly path itself yeah so um it kind of goes into 
um, when I started my, so I guess kind of backing up, um, when I was 19, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and depression. And, um, I've always kind of been a worrier. So, but I didn't know that that correlated with anxiety. So that was something I learned about when I was in college. And then, um, and then, but I noticed like, I really couldn't get out of bed, things like that. So, um, and I thought I was kind of being just like a lazy college student, um, not wanting, you know, to go to the bus, but, you know, and make my class and my morning classes, things like that. But as I kind of spoke to my mom about it more and then our, um, doctor, it kind of obviously became, you know, more of my mental health. And so then, um, I transferred, I started off my college, um, career at the university of Minnesota Duluth. And then after, um, two years there, I transferred back home. Um, kind of, I mean, kind of my mental health struggles, um, were kind of a part of that, but also, um, I just, I kind of needed that change. So then I transferred to the university of Wisconsin river falls and lived at home. Um, I just commuted and then, but in between that time, I moved back home before I finished out my year at UMD and my mom and I would, would drive, um, and stay overnight in a hotel to finish out my last, you know, month or so and with finals and everything. Um, and then we'd, so we would stay in a hotel for two nights. So I would have both, you know, all my classes. Cause sometimes you'd have like Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes, and then another group of classes, Tuesday, Thursday. So then I would, and my professors were amazing. The university was amazing and super accommodating. And it was just really nice. Um, because even man in 2014, 2015, it still wasn't mental health. Wasn't really talked about. And so we, I believe that we have come such a long way, even that short of time. Um, and so through that, uh, when I kind of moved home, I started a blog called Surviving Young. And that's when I first published my, my story and kind of talked about it and posted on Facebook. And uh, I asked my family, though, for permission beforehand because it, it involves them. You know, they're connected. So uh, they, you know, we're pretty in a pretty open family about our, our path that or kind of everything that's happened to us, um, in life. But with that, I kind of, it sparked a lot of people to connect with me about either, oh, they didn't know that that was happening to me or, um, they connected it with their own life. And it was kind of like, I remember the first time someone told me that they also struggled with depression. Just this big weight was lifted off my shoulders that I wasn't alone because you do feel alone. You feel isolated. Uh, so that was, that was really uplifting to me. So it kind of, um, when I started posting about it, I was, I was always, you know, I was very, um, involved in the community throughout, you know, high school and things like that. And I always was smiling and laughing and whatever. And so it was, it was even a shock to me when I was diagnosed, cause you don't realize it's just, it's also new. It's a big learning curve. So with surviving young, um, that kind of prompted some more, um, advocacy things. So I joined then this mental health task force within our church in Hudson that we are part of. And that's when I officially spoke about my story in public to people. There was about a hundred people there and it was really powerful. And it was just, I don't know. It was, I still remember it. And then, you know, just through discussions with my mom and my parents and, 
things like that. It was, we kind of talked about just, we were frustrated with the lack of resources that there are in Wisconsin. And because there's a, not a lot of bed availability for a mental health crisis. So let's say, like, I remember I was told once that, so for the, for the record, I've been into a mental health hospital for three times. And so, and each time they were like a year or two kind of apart um, and different experiences in each one. But one of them, I was told if beds don't open up either like in the Twin Cities or because one was in Duluth. Um, one time I was in Duluth, one time I was, and both other times I was in the cities, but one at Abbott and one at, um, United. And then, but I was told I would either go to Fargo or the Twin Cities. And that is terrifying knowing that you'd have to go that far away from home for bed availability. So it was really frustrating. Um, so that was kind of my driving factor is just, just frustration. And then people would kind of reach out to my mom for resources as well. And it's like, people just didn't know, did not know where to go. And even my own mom had, you know, a hard time finding a therapist for me, um, and a psychiatrist for me and things like that. So just, it was just really eye opening where it was like, okay. I mean, and then you have to deal with insurance and kind of figure out what your insurance covers and if a provider takes your insurance. Um, so it's, it's wild. And that was kind of my driving factor was just frustration with the lack of resources and kind of how behind Wisconsin is in mental health help. And I have just noticed that um, in the state in general is more reactive instead of proactive. And I prefer to be proactive because I kind of, and that kind of, I learned with my dad is, within a split second, your life can change. That's kind of how it started. Um, so the, the idea was planted before my dad passed away. And then when my dad passed away, I took a couple months um, to kind of, I was really confused because a mentally healthy man lost his life to suicide. Cause like a week prior, my dad helped me um, calm down from a panic attack. And so it just, it was really confusing for me. So then and then one day in October, it was like, okay, we need to, I need to do something. So then that's when the butterfly path was born. Really long-winded answer, but I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah, but that, that is I awesome. Feel like, though. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's why you're such a good advocate because like you just kind of annihilated our whole outline in one answer. <laughs> in one answer <laughs> and stuff but like how, how cool I love that how supportive your family was and it's crazy because I feel like even if if we don't feel like sharing our stories once you say something and like put it out there then all of a sudden other people might not even realize they need to hear it you put something up the other day on a story and I saw it and I was like yes like and I didn't <laughs> realize like I needed that this more that morning and stuff yeah but, like, yeah like how you went like went up to your church and tell your whole story I was like oh my goodness I could never do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it is it is nerve-wracking and ha- sometimes after I end speaking things like I am an overthinker and I could be like oh I think I said that wrong or oh like that wasn't great. Or, you know, like I'm really hard on myself about that, but, um, so I'm, I'm learning to give myself grace as well, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's brought me meaning, meaning to 
my journey and dealing with mental health. So. Right. And you, you started to touch on your work with, or talk about suicide awareness. So are you okay mm-hmm. if we jump in to talking about that and yeah. your goals that you have for providing awareness for suicide? Yeah. So one thing that, so we kind of, my goal for the butterfly path is to be an umbrella and under that umbrella has all these different areas for mental health. And because mental health is not linear, it's not a one size fits all and it doesn't discriminate against age, gender, race. I mean, the whole nine yards, income, things like that. Um, and so we kind of right now, I was really overwhelmed when we started the butterfly path and kind of like where, how we wanted to help and like where we Mm -hmm. wanted to start. But now we, I'm in, or like we are in a good spot of, um, kind of our goals and where our funding's going, things like that, and where we're putting our energy. So we have, um, we promote resources. So resources that are already available. Uh, we help guide people. We refer people. I've helped um, just kind of through networking and things like that. If someone comes to me and they don't know where to go, I can help refer them directly to um, a provider and get them, you know, scheduled for a therapy session. And then uh, we also help promote or fund for therapy sessions for when insurance gets in the way, when someone doesn't have insurance, any out-of-pocket costs. Um, because I even, I've had experience where, and even right now, like I have a job and insurance through my job, but it doesn't cover everything. I still have to pay out of pocket for my therapy. And I don't want that to deter someone away from getting help because it's just really unfortunate that, you know, it's really expensive. And, you know, there's a rhyme and reason for that too, but I don't want that to be, you know, a factor for people. Um, And then, and then you have people who, you know, they have the financial resources, but just need, you know, a resource. So um, I get messages weekly from people who just need help um, and a direction of where to go, I guess, a path um, per se. So, and that's when I kind of look at our current resources. And I also kind of look into new resources because, uh, you know, there, there are great resources out there right now. We just need to make them known. Um, and then with suicide awareness and research, uh, we are working on getting more suicide research in Wisconsin because there really isn't any. Um, and when I kind of was Googling about it, basically what comes up is that the brain is so complex that we just need to work on preventative measures. And, but I mean, my dad knew the preventative measures. So, I mean, there's a prime example of a healthy, well, quote unquote, healthy for 49 year old man who still lost his life to suicide. And that I, I mean, my brain just goes blank when I think about that. I'm like, I don't know, like, how can we, and I don't want another, I don't want another family to go through what our family went through because it was, it's gut wrenching. I still have, like, I still get tears about it. I still, I miss him. I am still trying to deal with my grief and the trauma that came with that. And, um, and any sudden death or any death in general can be traumatic. Um, I don't want to downplay anyone's grief. And, um, but I, I don't want a family to go through what we did and feel that. And, 
Um, so we're working with a Minnesota researcher to get more research in Wisconsin. Um, easier said than done, <laughs> but we have to, you know, send some letters to legislation to make them, you know, to get the records more affordable because it would cost our organization like $50,000. Um, and that, that's just not feasible for a nonprofit, right. um, especially a small nonprofit. So we're small but mighty <laughs> because the people behind our organization are they're amazing. I and the communities that stand behind our organization that that's why we're still standing five years later is because of the support we're getting and uh, that helps. Anytime I leave a meeting or even these podcast episode recordings, I am just fired up. I'm just ready to roll. Uh, so it, it really gives meaning to my grief and my journey. Um, so that's kind of kind of where we. We kind of, I want to be like a one-stop shop for people because again, it's not linear. Right. When you do look into research for suicide, what are you looking for in those So we're looking for, yeah, so we're looking for trends across the state. So it could be environmental. It could be, um, you would look at, oh, what medication are they taking? What, uh, what's their health, um, history, um, you would look at, I mean, it would be, yeah, environmental, physical, um, any different trends. And then we would kind of, you would look at that and then kind of take the next steps. So that's kind of, we're just trying to get to that first step right now. Uh, well, the first step's obtaining the records. Second is then um, Chris will go through and kind of, you know, do his amazing work that he does, Chris Calkins. And um, yeah, then we'll kind of, just observe the trends and try to pinpoint something. So yeah. Connect dots. Yep. Yep. So to get into like writing letters to legislation, like how do you know, how do you know like what to do? Like, you know, I can just write a letter and then who do you send it to? That's an excellent question. <laughs> um, no, I'm figuring, I have found that I've kind of, um, I've had to make some phone calls and things to, to people who I know are more educated in politics than I am. Um, politics really gives me anxiety just because as an empath, I don't like how it divides, divides our communities. Um, and just, you know, just in the past few years, it's, just, it's been very stressful. So I've just, I've kind of allowed myself to be like, Anna, it's not, you know, it's, it's not that scary. It's okay. <laughs> um, so I just, I've kind of asked, I've just been asking questions and then um, kind of looking on our state's website of who I, who I can get to. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I have the letter written. Um, it's just, I want to make sure I get it in the right hands. So um, I'm contacting kind of the representatives in our, in our area um, to see if they can direct me in the right place or if it's them. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing back from them. Right. I know you've been working on that and there's some law work I need to do on my end for, for my portion of Halo. So <laughs> I'm trying to pick your brain to help me since I feel like you're farther ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm so, I'm so like, I'll ask people like, have you ever, have you like written a letter to legislation? Cause I, I also want to pick their brain. Like, well, did people respond? And so like, I'm asking like follow-up questions. Like, um, like, what did they say? Or how does that, like, how does that work? Or, cause I'm nervous that 
something, again, we're going to hit another roadblock of someone's just not going to respond or, and I don't like roadblocks. I don't take roadblocks or I take roadblocks very seriously. I plow through them. <laughs> and sometimes the roadblocks take longer to plow through, but uh, it just, cause again, it's like mental health doesn't wait for good timing. Right. And so that's how I, I firmly, I just strongly believe in, you just got to keep going like as a butterfly path, like no matter how many roadblocks we're going to hit, it's like mental health isn't going to wait for a roadblock. Mental health isn't mm-hmm. going to wait for, you know, mental health is going to come and in, into your life when it wants to. Um, so I really, I really want to, I want to help people and, and not just get deterred by, by something. So. Right. Be proactive. So they have the tools ahead yes. of time. Even if some of it's delayed, you at least have tools instead of waiting with nothing. Yes. Yes, exactly. So. Well, I think that's pretty cool. I love that. I'm down for whatever you need help with. And if anybody <laughs> listening has any ideas yes. on how to get through the legislature, yes, we need help, please. let us know. Yes. And I think that legislature is really cool because I think, well, one time during like one of our meetings with the Butterfly Path, I think someone mentioned that, you know, like some people from different states come in to like, you know, do stuff, you know, like, yeah. I, I don't want to say like, I don't, let me commit, I'll just say the word commit suicide, you know, like in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. those are the hard things too. Cause then like, it's like not only we have barriers, but they also have barriers themselves too. So I think it's really cool. Yeah. And so for Sinclair County being so close to Minnesota, um, we're able to, so Chris mentioned exactly what Allie just said that, um, and it was, it was eye-opening, wasn't it, Allie? Like we were like, oh, you're so right. Where people, he will, he would find Minnesota deaths in the Wisconsin death records and vice versa. And so we're able to kind of, because we are so close to the border, um, there would be, you know, some correlations there. Um, and then we'd be, you know, it's, it's all about helping people. Um, and helping families and individuals with their mental health um, and just bringing awareness to it. Like it's, it's not going away and it's not slowing down. So rates are just going to keep going up, unfortunately, if we don't do something. As also being a co-founder of that foreign feeling, I guess to you, what is it? What is, what is the word that foreign feeling to you? And I know you kind of touch upon like, um your driving factors and I guess like what was your like moment of like oh my goodness like the experience of that form feeling I guess mm-hmm. um so and I remember when um that foreign feeling that name was brought up to the group and we all kind of were like yes that totally resonates we get that um and for me it's it's when you know something doesn't feel right so for me, that was when I was getting really anxious in college or sleeping a lot. And I still experience that sometimes I have to be really mindful about um, like my environment and how I'm feeling because I can still slip into that, that dark place um, that feels like a foreign feeling because there's not, until you experience mental health or see someone close to you go through it, it's hard for you to understand. I did not understand it. I'll be the first to admit, I did not understand it until I went through it. And then it's like that, holy crap, like this is, 
it takes over your brain and your mind. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about suicide research is because the brain literally is a mind of its own. It, it takes over. And so when you're in a mental health crisis, it's really hard to take back control because it, mm-hmm. it, it takes over your thoughts, your feelings, everything. Um, and I mean, and there's different therapies that I've had to go through and different outpatient programs to kind of learn about that. It's been a, it's been a journey, <laughs> um, and kind of dealing with grief, um, and other stuff that's happened in my personal life that I've had to revisit those and I'm back in therapy and I've just like, even my psychiatrist re-prescribed me on a different, another medication that I had stopped. Um, just because with life events, I need, I need to take control over my own life and I need to be my own advocate and I just need to know. And I have a hard time. Like I get really kind of anxious actually. Um, when I get prescribed medications or things like that, because just with my dad's death, I get really nervous about, and I'm not perfect. Like I don't eat perfect. I don't, you know, I'm not a perfect person, but I get nervous. Like my chiropractor had to tell me like, it's okay to take Advil if you have a headache and just, you know, like it's okay. It, because you don't want to be in pain and just make an appointment and, but it takes Advil. So you're not in pain that day. And cause I just get so nervous that anything is going to affect my brain health. But again, I'm not perfect. I'll be the first to admit that as well, <laughs> but I have to tell myself that it's okay. So, um, I guess, yeah, another long winded answer, but it's, it's when you don't understand why you're feeling that way. Or like, sometimes I'm like, why am I sad? Or like, why am I crying? I'm not sad. like nothing bad happened or, you know, it's just as I'm learning to feel those feelings. So they're not foreign anymore because I'm good at stuffing them down. I am I'm a pro at stuffing my feelings down sometimes. So <laughs> that's, I'm just thinking in my head, like sometimes, even though we know them, they resurface later, those feelings. Yes. And then all of a sudden they're like this different form of the same form. So you don't recognize them at first. Yes. Yes. And you're, when you're in a a different point in your life. So like, for instance, the last time I was in, I was admitted into a mental health unit. I stuffed my feelings down. It was during COVID and um, there was some personal stuff going on. And then I it was around my dad's anniversary, his four-year anniversary, and I was still, or I realized I was really angry about his death, and I get really uncomfortable with the feeling of anger, and I get uncomfortable with, yeah, I don't know why. Whenever I'm angry, I get really uncomfortable because I think it drains me so easily, and so when my energy is drained and I'm just tired all the time, um, but that's that's what I learned, and that's when I realized I need to stop drinking too, because when I was drinking, I would get angry and it was, you know, it's just a, it's a cycle. So, but I didn't realize that I wasn't mindful and I didn't realize I was even overworking myself. So I was doing more work and kind of masking some of that, but I just thought like, Oh, we're home all the time because it's the pandemic. Like we couldn't go anywhere. Um, 
And so it was, we're a different part in my life and a different, yeah, I was older and I figured, you know, it, it's, you're, you're tolerant of some things more because you've grown and you have tools, yeah. but at the same time, because I feel like lately I got into a spot where I was like, I mean, I know something's off. So right. That foreign feeling comes mm-hmm. back in, but I was like, but I'm not doing this, this, and this, and I don't feel like I'm going to end up in an yes. inpatient. So I must be okay. So I'm going to keep going. And then all of a sudden, yeah. like your body and mind just can't take it. It's like, nah, nope, here we are. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like those signs were there. Something was off, but I was like, but I'm not, I'm not close to where I would have been, but that's because I have tools and I've become tolerant and, and grown, but it doesn't mean that I can just put off how much time I need. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and you nailed it. It it's your tolerance is different in different areas and, um, and your threshold of different scenarios has changed. Um, and everyone, and everyone's different too. So that's just, that's just another, right. you can't look at someone else puzzle. and be like, if I can th- go through my day with all I've been yep. through, why can't you? Because still we all go to have different experiences and our thresholds mm-hmm. are building and at different times or the, they're in different places it's never going to yes. be the same yes um i know so we talked about what that foreign feeling means to you and how it's played a role in your life you're really good at covering things great advocate <laughs> good job <laughs> So I'm skipping around here a bit. Um, personally, what's something that helps you take care of your mental health? Um, my if you could pick a tool to share. <laughs> Therapy. Emily is her name. Um, I I joke that I like I keep my therapist in business for. How I mean, I've seen her actually. What's kind of cool about my therapist, and I refer people all the time to my therapist, but um, I've seen her ever since I was 19, and she was my first therapist I've ever saw. Um, and my dad got to meet her, and my dad went to my therapy sessions with me um, early in my 20s. Um, this was before he passed, obviously, but because um, there are just things that you know, my parents saw that I, you know, I didn't want to admit or I wasn't, you know, I just wasn't in the right mindset. And so that was really, so, and I realized then after my dad died that she's actually also a grief counselor. So that's been really powerful. And she has just been, she's been amazing and gives me grace so much. Um, so therapy, obviously, but, um, one thing is being mindful and a lot of people don't really know what mindfulness means but it's really about being in the present and um that's really hard for me to be in the present because i'm always either thinking about the future or i'm worried about the past um and but being mindful lately it's kind of funny because i saw a tiktok that said um when you realize you're getting in the habit of not brushing your teeth again or taking more naps or things like that. And I was like, spot on. So I, I realized that when I don't like, I might maybe skip brushing my teeth at night, which I know sounds gross, whatever. But I noticed that if I don't stick with that routine of brushing it, you know, morning and night, 
that I'm starting to not take care of myself. And the more I don't take care of myself, like physically, then it turns into mentally and it just kind of starts going downhill. And it's not because to me, and then I'm like, you know, like I'm being lazy, like go brush your teeth. But really, if I'm like looking kind of back at the, my patterns, my, how my mental health journey has been, that's exactly what kind of what happens. And it like when things just get harder to do. So sometimes I'm like, um, you know, just do it for like three seconds and I like, then you'll be, you know, and then it does, it kind of just changes my mindset. But um, that's kind of one thing with being mindful. And then another one, I, I guess it kind of goes into be mindful, but in mindfulness, um, meditating. So I've done both the Calm app and Headspace and I like both. Um, I don't really prefer one above the other, but that also helps me be present and really focus on feeling my feelings because it just sucks. <laughs> like, like, why can't we just be happy all the time <laughs> right. Right. and not have bad things happen to us? Um, and I kind of have just really worked on changing my mindset, you know, but I just kind of have to keep moving forward. And, you know, my mom taught me to put my big girl pants on and, you know, do good at my job and because that pays the bills and, you know, take away some big stressors. Like, because if I don't have a job, I can't pay my bills. And if I can't pay my bills, then I, where am I going to live? Where, you know, I, I got to eat. I got to, you know, I want to take care of my dog. So yeah, that, that's been really, I've been, I've been really trying to work on changing my mindset in life in general. So I think that's really good. I started hating the question, how are you? Because I know we all say we're good. So I started being yes. honest and I would be like, I'm fine or I'm okay. Yeah. But then I'm like, that made it worse because now that's always my answer. And I feel like I'm never I good know. when I just need to redefine my good as I have a roof over my head. I have health mm -hmm. and stuff. So I wouldn't recommend at first I was yes. like, yeah, why can't we be honest? And now I'm like, no, I can't. That plays with my mind. That's too much. Yes. That's good. So what do you, so what do you say now when people ask like, how are you? I'm just getting out. I'm just starting the transition back to I'm good. But like with okay. recently, like I think part of it is just being like, or if I'm honest, like I'm okay. I've been, I'll be like, I've been worse and I know I'm going to be fine. I just need to make yeah. sure that I stay on task with these things that I got to do mm -hmm. and stuff. But um, I think the big, what's going to really make the difference is switching that mindset to from like, I'm okay. And then explaining to I'm good. Yeah. And then what I'm grateful for and stuff. Yeah. Because it wasn't working when I said, I'm okay. Here's all my problems. Yep. Like, well, and one thing that I've kind of, and I've known this at, since after my dad died, but it's never like, you're also dealing with just so much, but now as I'm kind of changing my mindset and really working on bettering myself, um, that everyone has their own shit. I mean, they do everyone and at different scales, but it doesn't redefine how they feel, you know, like everyone's feelings are valid. And I think that's really important that, you know, some people might look at my life and, you know, they might not have, they might still have both of their parents right. or, you know, might, might be thriving more than right. I am or was at 27. 
but I think that's why we say them though. We want to feel valid. Yes. Yes. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that that person doesn't have hard days or they might be going through something that's a little harder for them to process. That's easier for me to process, you know? So like, it's easy for me to talk about my mental health, but someone might have a harder time talking about their mental health, but they might still be struggling, you know? So everyone's, everyone's journeys and everyone's paths are different. And I want to respect that. And I want to, but I also want to validate that. And I want to validate that everyone has their own path and at different scales. And I don't ever want to compare because it's not not comparable. Right. And if for those who maybe aren't comfortable speaking out about it, it's things like this that our hopes is to validate it because that's why we talk about our feelings because we need to feel validated. It's like rooted in us as human beings. Mm -hmm. So if we can't talk about it, surrounding yourself with, if you can listen to a podcast or a book that does validate. Yep. But yeah, like I'm reading um, Buddha's brain right now. And because again, I'm very fascinated about how the brain works lately. And with this, it talks about how uncomfortable feelings are always going to be there. They're always going to happen. And so, and that's kind of like, sometimes I'm like, I just would love like for bad things to stop happening in my life because sometimes it feels like it's like one thing after another. And in the past like six months, I just realized like I was always very, not like uptight, but like physically, like, you know how like mental health also has physical like anxiety symptoms. Um, And I realized that I was always in like fight or flight mode because I was always like, so worried that all these bad things are going to continue to happen to me when in reality, like bad things are going to happen, but it's how me as a person can, I'm responsible for my own actions and I'm responsible for Anna and how I'm dealing with it. So, um, I really kind of put that into perspective. And so when I read that a couple of days ago, I was like, I need to accept that. And so a lot of it also is acceptance. Like I need to accept right. where I'm at. I need to accept, you know, that, bad things will happen, but I need to also reassure myself that I have the tools and I have, you know, the knowledge to get through that. And I have thick skin. I've been to hell and back a few times, but I'm still standing and I'm standing each time, but I mean, sometimes crawling, but, (laughs) (laughs) but that's when like, when you talk about like your physical, like brushing your teeth at night, those physical mm-hmm. things you can do to help you mentally and with this crawling and stuff. If we keep doing the physical things, I think that builds the character and strength to do the mental things because yes. they're not fun things to do. Like working no. out, it's not fun, but no, somehow it builds fun. character <laughs> and it gives you the will to crawl and to keep moving forward. I had shoulder surgery in March couldn't work out I lost a lot of will and I think that's part of like why I got into where I am now because I can't I lost that I don't know it disciplined me I don't have it now and I don't want to do it but I'm like I clearly should because it I was able to function better there's something with that the physical stuff that helps your mind yep yeah, really yeah. Like brought out like brought out the word crawling because I'm like, you know what? I feel like even though you cr- you were crawling in the past, it kind of makes you stronger in the future. 
Because, like, mm-hmm. if you're, like, looking at yourself, like, now compared to, like, at that time when you're, like, crawling or, like, not physically well, you kind of see, like, a really cool growth in yourself. And I guess, like, I guess that wise kind of makes you, like, want to be more advocate, you know, and be like, hey, yeah. I guess, like, like what Stephanie said, too, about saying, oh, I'm good, blah, blah, this, like, you're able to like, express it more because, you know, it's like you're kind of getting back up to your normal self, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, it. Kelly Clarkson said it best: "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." <laughs> right. I w- used to work do Jillian Michaels workouts, and she would like yell through the yes. TV, and she'd be like, "Get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable," <laughs> and I'd be like, "Shut up!" But it was, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I would yell back at yes. her, but whatever. Yes. Yes. You got to hold on to those pieces that stick with you. Yes. Yeah. Not easy, but, and that kind of goes into right. like juggling and kind of balancing. One thing I love about this group that we have for that foreign feeling is that, um, like the other day when we were supposed to record this episode, it was like, I personally had so much going on. And October has just been so packed and I know it's been packed for everyone. I don't know what it is about the month of October, but we give each other grace and honor those feelings. And we were able to postpone it until tonight. And it's like, it's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's juggling that. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm going to need grace for whoever's listening that normally I do a blog post (laughs) <laughs> that's up by yeah. the time this airs and it might be like solid midday or friday but i will give the Absolutely. gist of it and do you justice i promise <laughs> and stuff but no i agree all he has to have sleep or the kids are gonna have a miserable day at homeschool tomorrow exactly no i yep. agree october is like something that it's like see it's like literally almost like seasonal seasonal depression time and like there's like yeah stuff and work and you're like oh my goodness I don't know what to yeah. do anymore right. it's like you get home and it's dark out already and then it's yeah. like okay well I'm can't like what am I supposed to do for exercise like walking was you know my my time and I'm like so you kind of have to shift I was telling my psychiatrist about that how I'm learning like okay to honor that time of okay, the seasons are changing. My routine is going to have to change a little bit and that's okay, but it just takes some getting used to and some trial and error. But that goes with veteran mental health is a lot of trial and error. If I had any advice for anyone, it's if you had a bad experience with a therapist or psychiatrist or anything to do with bettering your mental health, don't stop trying because you will find the fit. It's out there. Same with medications. The amount of trial and error is like, and that's scary. And I think that is so scary. Like that that part bothers me how much trial and error there is for mental health but again that goes with it just not being linear Mm -hmm. um and not a one-size-fits-all like but you have to look at as it as a broken bone like if if you're not feeling okay mentally you go get help same if you broke your arm you go to the doctor and get help Mm -hmm. i think it's super cool how you have got the have been able to have the same therapist since you were 19 like that yeah she's she's been amazing I know when I first started like the first couple years and she suggested well she suggested and then I know um so what when I guess like when you go into a mental health psych unit 
Um, they set you up with appointments and kind of a program. So they don't just like let you go without a plan and which makes me feel safer. Um, so I, I do think that if anyone doesn't feel safe in mental health, like go check in, like you would rather be in a safe space and get the help. Um, but anyway, they suggested a DBT program, dialectical behavior therapy. And at the time, my therapist, they had the program where she was at, but there was a wait list. And so she suggested Nystrom and Associates, um, which the closest one, they have multiple locations. The closest one to me is Woodbury. Um, And so that's where I went. And I, so then I paused my therapy with her because within the DBT program, you had a therapist. And then that's how I met my new psychiatrist too. So I've been with my psychiatrist since I was uh, like 21 or 22. Um, but I've bet I've been through a couple psychiatrists, so I've had to find the right fit for me. Um, and then you go through the DBT program. So that all was within Nystrom, which was really great. Um, and so I did that outpatient program. So I would do that, um, like twice a week because I'd have my therapy session and then my group session. And then, um, during the pandemic, I did my outpatient program through them again. And it wasn't DBT. It was more for like cognitive behavior therapy. Um, and that was online, but it was wonderful. I mean, the group was great. It's very non-judgmental. Like I didn't feel, you know, because being judged, it was kind of like we all helped each other because we were all in the same boat. So we were sharing skills, we were sharing tips and, you know, things like that and struggles. So, um, and that one I didn't have to have like a separate therapist for, but, um, yeah, I, I owe a lot to all the therapists I've had. <laughs> Same. And I, for anyone that's like scared of like group therapy, I think like DBT and CBT really do both focus. They do group work, but they also focus on that non-judgmental. Yes. My personal experience, like that, like there, there isn't any, cause you're taking, you're trying to take that out of your mind anyways like even your own thoughts, just so you can get through it. Mm-hmm. So even though it sounds yeah. scary, I would highly recommend either. I did more DVT, but group setting. Yes. And it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know we're kind of coming up on time here, so I yeah. don't want to take away from any of what everyone's evenings, but um, Basically, I mean, I could talk about the butterfly path in my journey for hours. So they can, everyone can find me and contact me through um, the butterflypath.org. Um, and that will all be in the show notes as well. Um, and there's a contact form and my information. Otherwise, you can email me at Anna at the butterflypath.org. Um, and also, we're all on social media, Instagram and Facebook. So I do that for my full time job. So I love promoting social media. Because um, I do believe that social media can be used for the for the good and it's a it's another good resource and that's just kind of where you know majority of society is on so how can we also you know just help help people um I've had had to take a break of my personal social media because it gets overwhelming um and I know as a group within that foreign feeling we all kind of resonate with that and we've kind of had conversations on you know and like starting that foreign feelings, social media, we wanted to be like cognizant of, you know, not to be too much for us and things like that. So um, you can also find everything on that foreign feeling, social media. 
And if someone wants to donate, where should they go? Oh, they can donate at the butterflypath.org as well. There's a donate button there. And um, all donations go towards, you know, keeping our organization running and funding for mental health resources and therapy sessions. So. And I know you guys just had your like first like also like fundraise tour of golf tour. Yeah. So like, is there any future yes. events or like fundraising events or like another one by chance? Yes, we'll have a golf tournament next June. Uh, we'll announce the date in the next couple months here as we're kind of you know planning for the next one. Um, so that that was so exciting. Um, and then another way TF for Troy, a way to kind of honor our dad as well because. Um, there's, I mean, there's so much history there with golfing and my dad. Um, but that was, yeah, that was super exciting, but yeah. And we always end with a quote. Um, but before that, thanks so much for chatting with us. Um, yeah. And making time in your busy day in this busy month of October. <laughs> nothing like on the commute home to just be in the sam's club parking lot recording a podcast quick to avoid traffic on 94 <laughs> oh yes <laughs> 94. you gotta stay safe you gotta stay safe yes yes 94 thank is always for all you do too so well thank you guys you're advocating and awareness it means a lot so take us home Allie. all right so then the quote for this week was it isn't weak to ask for help. It's like using a flashlight when you're lost in the dark. Thank you for listening to That Foreign Feeling. For more information on The Butterfly Path, Halos of the St. Croix Valley, or this podcast, visit thatforeignfeeling.com.